You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 311 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode we are going to dive into the wonderful world of ghosts and aliens with author and researcher Patrick Jackson. Check out his book Quantum Paranormal, a 21st century analysis of the paranormal phenomena. So thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thanks, Nia. No problems. Always good to be invited on. So, Can you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and, and what you do? Um, well, my name is uh, Patrick Jackson. Um, I'm an IT guy. Uh, I predominantly work in um, databases. Um, and a, lot of, a big part of uh, databases is a thing called reverse engineering. Um, so I, I apply that to corporate, you know, corporate databases, and um, that's what I've been doing for quite a few years now. Um, and basically, I just use the same thought process on uh, Poltergeist originally, um, because I used to go and see a, a place called Thirty East Drive, um, which is uh, said to be the most haunted house in the UK. Um, and I used to go there and see all the Poltergeist activity going on. Um, so I, I sort of thought, well, if I can kind of reverse engineer corporate issues on database levels and stuff, then I would give it a go with Poltergeist and see what I can find. That's what I did. So I spent about four years on it. Um, and I finally cracked it in 20, I think it was in 2016, 17. And then I started to write my book. So can you explain more in detail? Because many people might not have... It went a bit fast. So what was it you re- uh, reverse engineered exactly? Um, in business, uh, so what you find is a lot of uh, developers will turn up and develop processes that run against the database, which become critical for the for the company. Um, and then what happens is they leave and it's not documented and it needs to change or it, or it breaks. So someone like me would have to come along and... Um, go through the process, reverse engineer how it all works, what is querying, where, how, uh, what tables it's looking at. And then I document it, and then I can replicate it. Um, and uh, this is this is nothing really special in the IT industry. This is fairly common. Um, it's just uh, the only difference is that I applied the same kind of thought process to um, the paranormal, uh, specifically poltergeists. So how would you do that? Oh, well, um, well, when I when I went to stay at uh, 30, I went in there with like an open mind to see what I can spot. And uh, what I noticed was um, the behavior patterns of what was occurring, as in doors are banging, things are getting thrown around. Um, it was very machine-like. Um, it was very uh, process-driven. So it would always bang the same door at the same amount of times. It would always um, project, uh, throw the same objects um in the same areas uh i would be getting these splitting headaches and my brain would start to swell and i'd have all these weird um weird effects that didn't match human behavior patterns so when i when i first kind of uh did my long stints at uh, 30s drive to try and figure it out it really confused me for a long time because i just couldn't couldn't put the the pieces together um 
but over time I, I managed to and and that's what my book is about quantum paranormal the 21st century analysis it's uh, it breaks down the, the entire belief system surrounding ghosts and paranormal and poltergeists uh, and it completely breaks the whole logic down uh, and introduces a whole new concept um, a concept which is actually supported by other IT people and military as well now. And this house you mentioned, it might not be famous outside the UK. What is it? It's basically uh, a, a, like a little, tiny little council house. Um, but it's actually very famous in the UK. It's uh, known to be the most aggressive poltergeist in, in the UK, if not Europe. Um, you cannot stay there for longer than four or five days. And you certainly can't stay there on your own. It's um, it's a very very it's a very intense place to be, um, and it's it's lots. There's a film made about it. Lots of documentaries made about it. Um, yeah, it's very well known. But people have always gone by the, the you know the traditional kind of belief system, the, the traditional um, thinking behind it. But none of that makes any sense. And um, once I got my teeth into it, it it became very clear that it's not actually dead people at all what's causing poltergeist activity. Um, it's actually a misidentification on our part. For a long time, it confused me. I mean, I was staying after work and all my computers on and looking at images and thinking about stuff and modeling different stuff in my head. Um, and then finally, one night, I got a hold of an image um, and I put it through some imaging software and it came out like as a small silver ball, like a seer. Uh, just hovering above the ground and this kind of um, and once I saw that it was like Eureka because it all kind of came into place in my head because when I was growing up I used to see these uh, spheres of light going over the, the streets where I used to live and they were just dead silent just cruising over streetlights um, and I once I really got my teeth into it I noticed it was uh, the same things that the US and the UK Air Force came into contact with during World War II, which is the Foo Fighters. And what the Foo Fighters were were these uh, ball, like silver balls, uh, some ranging from the size of a, a baseball to others will be the size of a basketball and the others will be the size approximately of a beach ball, so quite large. Um, and they would engage the, uh, the air crews and actually terrified the air crews up in the, up in the sky. Um, and what they would have, they would experience lots of weird electrical behaviors. Uh, the gravity would change around the plane. They would, um, they would have all sorts of communication issues. Um, these objects would be, would be seen as a silver ball, then they would turn to like a glowing ball, and then they would actually fly through the wall of the aircraft, inside, inside the aircraft, and they would fly around the aircraft inside, um, and then out again. Um, the crews actually would open fire on them and they would do have, have no effects at all. Um, in some cases, they didn't even move. The bullets just went right through them. In other cases, the, uh, the spheres themselves were, were dancing between the bullets. Uh, so the, the air crews in the end just gave up and just, just, uh, just watched what happened. And, and basically, these things would distract them for miles at, at a time, maybe sometimes for hours, uh, and then disappear. Um, and it was it wasn't just for the uh, it wasn't just the the allied forces getting this it was also the nazi forces as well the german forces the germans thought it was a weapon one of our weapons and the, and we thought it was a german weapon so we were all really confused about it at the time 
But after the Second World War, this the the whole story about Foo Fighters kind of died down for a long time. Um, and then uh, there's a story about I think called the Betsphere, uh, which was found on a farm in the U.S. And uh, this uh, sphere basically matched the appearance of Foo Fighters. Um, and they would put it on the floor and it would roll around like uh, it was self-controlled. It would avoid edges. Um, it would vibrate. It would um, emit radio waves. And it was analyzed by the U.S. Navy and they didn't know what it was. Um, and in the end, it was given back to the family. Um, and then fast forward, you know, to 2022, um, I did my my research and I found that the same objects that the the pilots were seeing back in World War II also operate in buildings. And what was actually occurring is there are three variants of these objects. Um, and by the way, these objects, this this uh, Foo Fighter object, these spheres, was is exactly the same thing as what the Congress was talking about the other day. Uh, that's what they took a picture of and which went by the uh, fighter jet. So what's actually occurring is you have three variants. You have type one, two, and three. The type ones operate 100,000 feet, between 80 to 100,000 feet. And that's the one that the Air Force keeps coming to, into contact with. Um, and then you have the uh, type twos, what operate quite low to the ground. They're commonly seen in areas of um, of in harsh environmental um, places, such as uh, woodlands or, or jungles, um, places of extreme environmental factors. And then you have uh, the type threes, which are the smallest of the variants. They're about the size of a uh, basketball, no, sorry, of a uh, baseball, um, and they operate in buildings. And what they do is the type three will go into a building and it sets up a network. Uh, if you map all the haunted houses in the UK, you'll find they operate in lines and clusters of similar distances. So what it appears to be is a microwave-based communication network which follows environmental topology. So once the network is set up, um, the type one spheres and signal down to the type threes and then back up. So they basically relay the signals back up to the sky again. Um, so what the type ones are doing are uh, intercepting that they, they're basically uh, flying around in the upper atmosphere in big swarms. Um, and then once they detect a, uh, a space-based threat, like either a, a meteorite or a, uh, another UFO, uh, they will uh, triangulate on it and then intercept it. And how they do that is by using a stealthy system. So when uh, the, uh, the Type 1s detect an object, they instead of signaling each other directly, they, they relay it off a third party, which is the Type 3s in the building. So if you can imagine, it's like a satellite in reverse. So while our own military uh, aircraft will signal up to a satellite, and then it will go across to another satellite, and then down to, say, the Pentagon, um, as a result, there's no emissions going to the, the country below. Uh, so it remains undetectable. So what they do is, is that you signal down from uh, the sky down to the ground, to the Type 3s, and then the Type 3 will then come online and then basically... Uh, 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 send the signal to the uh, relay the signal to the others at the other side of the horizon, or it will jump along to the next one in line. So that's what's actually occurring. And then um, what happens is once the Type Threes are actually powered up uh, and they're broadcasting, um, 
they are receiving and sending high energy emission, high energy uh, signals. So you're talking uh, microwaves, high energy microwaves, uh, and I think it has a gamma ray pro uh, byproduct. Um, so what happens is is that when uh, these things are actually relaying a lot of data, they give off uh, dangerous amounts of emissions. So what it does, it causes um, diversionary uh, tactics uh, or actions to move people away from the, the area. So in the case of 30U's drive, the, the sphere itself is operating in the attic uh, directly above the third step, actually. Um, and we know that because you can actually track it. Uh, and basically, when the, the, it comes online and starts relaying, it will bang uh, the coal shed door. Which is, if you look at the floor plan of the of the house, um, you'll find that the coal shed is actually in the most shielded part of the building. So what it does, it bangs the door. Everybody goes rushing down to that area to see what's going on. And when people are in that area, then it's safe for the objects to broadcast. Uh, and this is actually in line with the inverse square law of radiation. So the further you are away from the radioactive source, the safer it is. Um, so that's what it is. And this is why people um, faint and feel sick uh, and get headaches and brain swelling like I did in, in these houses because it's actually a, a byproduct of the, of the radiation uh, that your body's getting exposed to. Um, so yeah, and then, and then once, once the transmission's done, uh, it all goes, it all shuts down again and then it goes quiet for maybe three or four days and then maybe uh, you know, a few days later you'll, the same pattern will occur again the same process will occur again um, and that's why paranormal activity is, is, or poltergeist activity is so intermittent because it's basically a transponder that comes online when it needs to and then shuts down again um, and these objects they operate in one or two places um, in the building depending on the building materials um, so like in older like uh, houses such as uh, single floor wooden houses, like in, you have in the US, um, they operate in a basement. Um, and that's because the basement is the most shielded area. Uh, and then in modern houses, they, for brick houses, they operate in the attic. Uh, so it's always in the most shielded part of the building or area of the building. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what it is. Um, so it's not like interdimensional uh, aliens. Uh, it's more like uh, in this reality, uh, sort of communication, navigation thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It's not um, the the spheres themselves appear to be able to uh, use quantum mechanics. So it can go from a solid object to like a, looks like a ball of light, and then it can fly straight through a wall, and then become solid again. Um, so it, it's, what, it's what we call um, quantum tunneling, uh, whereby they can tunnel through um, another barrier. Um, so the appearance of these objects can look like they're interdimensional or almost magical, uh, but it's not. It's just very clever quantum mechanics in action. Um, and they're as physical as me and you and, and uh, as everybody else. So why would they be doing this for so long? And, and uh, why are they like uh, specific to certain houses and, and, and that, what do you think? So the, like our own cellular network, the network has to go where it has to go. Uh, 
Um, it's not. It's sometimes it will be in a a remote location. Sometimes it will be in a very populated location, like in the middle of a roundabout or something. So, uh, as I said, these these uh, spheres they use a, a ground based network. Uh, so the the network is is dynamic. It can move around to a degree, but the underlining um, like the the underlining uh, high speed parts of it uh, are generally pretty static. So like uh, in the, in the, in the UK, for instance, where where East Drive is, if you look at all if you map all the haunted houses, you'll find they operate in one big line, all approximately the same distance apart. I think it's about ten miles apart, off the top of my head anyway. Uh, but it's all it's all consistent, um, and they've been active for 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 thirty forty years, if not late longer. I think it's maybe fifty years now. So the the deeper you are in the network, the the less it can move, but the more uh, the more outer reaching parts of the network, like a spider web, can be can be more flexible. So that's why some houses are active and others are not. Um, it's 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 nothing to do with the history. It's nothing to do with the land. All that is complete baloney. What it's actually what it is is the fact that these things create a network across the country. Um, and they go where they have to go, not where they need to go. Um, and where the where the uh, Type Threes um, don't have a building to operate from, they will drop a, a like a temporary um, drone in the area. So you might find you will find on YouTube all these uh, videos of what look to be silver spheres hovering about forty feet off the ground, and they just sit there for hours, um, and then they disappear. And what that is is that obviously there's something going on in the heavens above and they need a relay so they drop one down temporarily uh while it's doing its job and then it will it will then go off when it's no longer required uh this is actually what's happening in the ocean as well uh surrounding the um the u.s uh aircraft carriers i think it is the so there was a a type three which appears next to it and tracked the to track the uh ship for for hours uh, and the reason why that was because they were signaling the Type Ones directly above it because there was something happening in, in the heavens above, in the in the sky above, uh, and that's what it really is. That's what's happening. But what's the purpose of all of it? Do you think it's uh, the spheres themselves? They they um, they control what can access Earth's airspace. So it's basically a, a, like a global defense system against space-based threats. So, so who do you think is behind it? Well, it's not us, that's for sure. Um, I think it's been here for a very long time, um, and places like Skinwalker are a big part of the of this network. Um, what it appears to be, they, from what I can tell, they use three different networks. Uh, they use a peer to peer network when they're up in the atmosphere, which means they signal each other directly uh, via microwaves. Uh, you then have a once they detect an object, they change to the the second network, which is the uh, dynamic network, which is the um, the ones that operate in buildings, the so type threes in buildings. So they signal down to the ground and it will relay. And then I think there is a uh, underlining like uh, high bandwidth network, uh, and that's ground based. So places like Skinwalker Ranch uh, and probably a few other places like that are, if you want to say. They're like um, network hubs. They are. Uh, they're like where the the a lot of the traffic goes through, 
And that is why the Skinwalker guys are detecting um, high-energy microwaves and gamma rays that are moving around the around the area because they're all signaling into that into that mountain where what uh, yeah into that mountain. So whatever's under the mountain is probably part of the control system. So it's like a CCTV system to keep an eye on on the planet, or um, you could say that. I suspect. Um, but it's a weapon system as well, um, and it. What happens is, is when uh, these other craft come in, they will um, they will swarm around it. Um, generally, there's three of them, and they'll swarm around the, the saucer or the, the the craft itself. And uh, when if it doesn't leave, it, it basically gets destroyed. Uh, they will they'll shoot it or blow it up in midair, um, and that's been that's been witnessed a few times now and caught on camera. Um, so yeah, that's what it appears to be. What about all these people who go into haunted houses and they like talk to some person that's not there and s- telling the history of the place and that are they uh, are they? Well, I'm I'm sure some of them are just uh, scam artists, but I mean some of them seem like genuine. Uh, what do you think about those people? Yes, yeah, so so the seers themselves they appear to be nuclear powered. They um, they're very high energy, uh, so they, they appear to be, and they've been there for a long time as well. So they are probably nuclear powered or something like that. It, it wouldn't surprise me if these objects have been in buildings for over a hundred years or in the same building for for uh, very long periods of time. Um, and these objects, these seers, they're basically like AI drones. So they will monitor what's going on, or sample what's going on, and then play it back. So um, when I was doing my testing, I, I figured out how to uh, gain the attraction of a few of these these objects. And we were doing these testing at 3,000 feet up a mountain or up a hill, really, um, in the middle of nowhere. It was like somewhere really remote. And uh, once we started tracking it, we started getting it started sampling my voice uh, and talking in my voice. So when when we played the video back, you can hear me. I, I speak and then it will speak back to me in my voice, but it'll be saying something else or copying what I say, even though it's not be saying it. So they can sample um, visual and auditory uh, information and play it back um, to that effect. So that is why people think they're dealing with um, dead people, but it's not. It's not dead people at all, which is why the, they say the behavior patterns are all wrong. Um, the also the the uh, the spheres themselves they have a obviously an internal database, uh, and if they've been in a building for say a hundred years, then they probably know the basic information on everyone in the building who, or who's been in the building. So when these ghost uh, people they they say oh who uh, who lived here, you know, and, it, and they and a word will come through somewhere saying Patrick lived here, but it's but it's only it's like querying a database. So you only get very short, sharp answers. You don't get a conversation. You don't get like a natural conversation like we're having. It's just like short, sharp, single answer questions, uh, answers to questions. Um, And then after a while, it will go silent because the questions they're asking simply isn't referenced in the database. Um, And that's that's how it rolls. Um, There is is other areas to it which are a bit more complicated. the, the the type threes appear to have what's called a insert and extract mechanism, which means they they can insert and extract uh, objects and people 
from um, buildings. Uh, and this is actually demonstrated in the woods as well in Bigfoot areas. Uh, so in haunted houses, you see it as uh, objects will suddenly fall out of, or just fall out of midair. Uh, people will lose their keys and the keys will reappear in somewhere really random, like in a, in a Hoover bag. Um, even though the Hoover's been dead for, you know, three or four years. Uh, so what it can do, it can take a physical object and move it to another location uh, instantly, and you won't, you won't even notice it gone or hear it gone. Uh, but And what it appears to be is they use objects to test the system before they insert someone. So they would, uh, in East Drive, they, they use as an, a, a lemon a lot. Uh, so a lemon will just appear at midair and land on the ground. Uh, other times it's been candles and stuff like that. And what what happens uh, then is once they they say, okay, the system's working fine, uh, they drop living people through, just like us. The only thing is, we can't see them, but we can detect them. Uh, you can detect them via um, vibration on the floor. You can you can detect them walking around. Um, and in the uh, in this drive during our tests, they use these uh, like little balls, which basically uh, trigger they light when they detect vibration, and everybody can be sat dead still, and they were to start going off, and you can literally watch them go off in the distance and come back and walk around, and uh, that's what you're that's what's happening. As, uh, as Elon Musk says, they they walk among us. It's just we probably can't see them, and that's what's going on. And in the same way, that's exactly what we would do. If we were going to go to another planet, or even if we go in the jungle, we use camouflage. Uh, if you're going to interact with other animals in the jungle, you you probably don't want to be seen as a human. You would dress up as a one of like one of the animals to to get close to it. So it's we use camouflage in the same in in other things, and they use a, a much more advanced version of it. Um, but this camouflage technique they use is actually uh, can be can be compromised. Um, what I noticed was uh, the, the the stealth technology that they use um, is tuned to visible light. But if you look using, if you're using infrared, if you have a, if you have a good infrared camera, uh, you can actually pick up errors in this in their system. So you'll notice that there'll be light refraction around their legs, uh, stuff like that. And I think that's what's happening when people say they see spirits in buildings, because if your eyesight, if you can see slightly more into infrared than, say, someone else, you might see the errors. You might see the outlines of um, of the camouflage. Um, it's a bit like Predator, that kind of thing, where it can literally bend light around the person, but you'll still see an outline, uh, depending how good your eyes are. Uh, and that's what's occurring in East Drive, and that's what's occurring in all these haunted houses in in the world, including in the U.S. Uh, and this is also why uh, mental illness in uh, the uh, paranormal community is fairly high, because if you have overexposure, well, this is what it appears to be, is that uh, these spheres they give off high energy emissions, which I think have an uh, a impact on the on the the on the human brain on the cellular level. So if you spend too much time in these buildings like I did, you'll start getting brain swelling and you'll start having other neurological effects. So if you happen to live in one of these buildings, over time you're going to start going more and more more crazy. 
uh, and that's when bad things happen and people go, you know, they, they start hurting people. Um, so that's, that's what, that's what is causing it. And that's what it is. Interesting. So you mentioned a book, where can people get that book and read it? Uh, the book is called Quantum Paranormal, a 21st century analysis on the, uh, on the paranormal phenomena. Uh, and it's on Amazon. Uh, and actually you can get it for free on uh, Amazon Unlimited. Uh, I recommend the ebook. Um, the uh, yeah, I recommend the ebook. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all there. And the the research I've done and presented uh, has got the attention of military, uh, of other IT specialists, and they all agree with it. And if you look at my website, they actually do endorsements uh, on it as well. Uh, and I think I'm the only one in the world that gets such endorsements. Um, I think anyway, so, uh, that's where we are. And also we are developing apps. Like, uh, I developed an app called the ghost code, uh, which, so the story behind that is these, uh, Foo Fighters spheres, uh, they also create crop circles. So, and in one of the crop circles, I think one here in England, England, uh, there was a code in it. So I basically copied the code and put my own commands in it. And then I put it into a, I did some other things to translate it into to sound. Um, and then I added my own kind of findings into it as well. And then I uh, made an app uh, called the Ghost Code, which is on Google Play. And people have been taking this app into Third East Drive and to other haunted locations. And they put their sensors around it, even though the phone's in flight mode. Um, they put all their sensors around it. They turn the app on and it, also, it makes this like high pitch uh, sound, which is a, a binary code. Uh, playing on loop um, and within 30 seconds they, they're getting interactions through their sensors it's that simple so the code the 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 the, the, uh, the code it's producing is 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 gaining the attention of the seers and they basically start interacting on a basic level uh, it's what I call basic human interaction but that's what is what happens that's what happens um, and it's been tested time and time again now. Uh, it's been tested in uh, America. It's been tested over here. Uh, and most people who use it say they get an effect with it, a big effect. Um, and actually, I can do it in my own back garden. I can set up my sensors and switch it on. And within 30 seconds, my sensors are going off. So say what you want of that. It, that's what happens. Cool. Well, thank you a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast and I'll post those links in the program notes as well. Yeah, sure. No worries. I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you a link. Check out his site quantum-paranormal.co.uk I don't know what to make of this theory myself. I've never really been into UFOs that much or even ghosts really. Um, and uh, the concept that ghosts are UFOs, uh, uh, well, it's, it's very interesting, but I'm not saying it is like that, and I'm not saying it's not like that. I think um, uh, I'm, I'm going to be uh, neutral on that point. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't had much experience with either, so I can't really say. So you have to make up your own mind. Uh, what I do know is that uh, I would like some support. If you can become a patron uh, or subscribe to my YouTube, that would be appreciated. 
If you like this podcast but want to feast your eyes as well as your ears, perhaps you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Simply search Natural Born Alchemist channel on YouTube and it shall appear. Or click the link in the program notes of this episode. I put a lot of effort into the videos I make and hopefully you'll enjoy them. If you want to support me, please subscribe on YouTube and even better, leave a like or a nice comment. YouTube is severely lacking in nice comments, so with your help, let's change that. Anyway, I hope I will see you there. Hey, this is Anthony Tyler, host of Black Hoodie Alchemy on the Fringe FM. You can catch me every Monday evening, 6 p.m. Pacific time, where we uh, talk about the dark side of metaphysics and we'll chill a little bit. Uh, And you can catch me the day after on Spotify or Apple or Amazon or wherever else you stream your podcasts. If you've ever wondered what someone like Carl Jung might say about serial killers or perhaps cryptids, then this is the show for you. Skeptical? yet open-minded, empirical, but philosophical. We are going to talk about some really weird stuff, so I hope you join me on Black Hoodie Alchemy. Take it easy. Let's close with the song Up and Out by Tiger Tunes from Absolutely Worthless Compared to Important Books. Freedom is in the mind. Team, I'm running in deep.